0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio and I love all things tech. And this is the tech news for Thursday, June 10th, 2021. Let's get to it. First, some background. In 2009, some hackers were able to access databases that were hosting a social app called RockU, and they got away with more than 30 million user passwords, which was considered to be a lot. And those passwords, by the way, were in plain text. In other words, they were unencrypted. So once the hackers got them, they had, you know, passwords that were as valid for as long as people, you know, f- failed to change them. Well, now word is out that a data breach could mean anywhere from 8.4 billion to potentially as many as 82 billion passwords have been leaked. Billion. Now, 8.4 billion unique users or unique logins were identified of this batch. so that's already bad but multiple passwords belonging to the same login could be in that group. so that's why the 82 billion is uh, on the upper level. So people are calling it Rock you 2021 in reference to that you know data breach from 2009. I would like to suggest an alternative rock you like a hurricane. But what's actually going on here? It's a good question. Uh, Someone, some hacker, has posted a text file that is 100 gigabytes in size. That is huge for a text file, and they've posted it on various hacker forums. This text file contains billions of usernames and passwords for various sites and services. All the passwords are between 6 and 20 characters long. There's no telling how many of those passwords are currently valid versus inactive. In fact, I would not be surprised if a lot of those logins were for services that don't even really exist anymore. But generally speaking, it's a good idea to check to see if you were potentially affected. Uh, One way you can do that is to search your email address against tools like have I been pwned. Uh, But another is to use a password vault program because a lot of those will monitor news about data breaches and they will proactively reach out to users and prompt them to change their passwords at various sites and services. It's also, by the way, a very good idea to activate two-factor authentication for those services that allow for that. If it allows for it, you should probably do it. These sorts of data breaches are the kind that are outside of our control as users. So we kind of have to take steps to protect ourselves. We also have to remember every time there's a big data breach like this, then those passwords, even if they're not active, even if they aren't currently associated with those accounts, they go into an ever increasingly huge dictionary of existing passwords So if you're the type of person who creates a password and then over time cycles back to that password, let's say that, you know, you alternate between a few, uh, that means that if you're part of this breach, then uh, even a password you're not using right now but could use in the future, that could mean that you leave yourself vulnerable. So, again, always a good idea to get like a a password vault program. Uh, There are some that will – generate very tough passwords on your behalf and store them for you. And you don't have to keep track of all that. Uh, It is a little bit more of a hassle. I mean, obviously more than a hassle uh, than just using the single password for everything. But obviously that is not safe. And it means that everywhere you go, you're potentially vulnerable. So I recommend getting a password vault and using it. There are a lot of good ones out there Uh, So I recommend researching those and choose one that fits your needs. And speaking of hackers, the video game developer and publisher Electronic Arts, or EA, got hacked. And I feel like a lot of people outside of EA don't have a whole lot of sympathy for the company. But that's more because there are people with very strong negative opinions about EA. I think it is a shame. I don't like it when any company gets hacked. And uh, apparently in this case, The hackers were able to access some of EA's internal systems, and they gained access to the source code for certain games as well as access to other internal tools. Now, according to EA, no user data was compromised as a result of this breach. So in theory, at least, users were not affected by this. Uh, The company also says it's already taking steps to address the issue by changing things up so that the source code that the hackers accessed would be useless. In other words, that they wouldn't be able to exploit EA titles uh, because EA is going to change those titles significantly enough where that source code will be, you know, a moot thing. Now, unless the source code was for some pretty minor stuff, I imagine that last bit is going to be really challenging to pull off. It's not as easy as just waving your hand at it. The hackers claim to have stolen around 780 gigabytes of data, though so far the hackers have largely just alluded to what they've stolen. They've shown some screenshots and stuff, but they haven't actually shared the information itself. Uh, They are advertising the data as being up for sale on various black market forums, so there's some crime right there. El Salvador recently announced that the country may soon accept Bitcoin as legal tender and consider it parallel to the Salvadoran dollar, and in the sense that, you know, this would be an accepted currency, that you could use Bitcoin anywhere within El Salvador and it would be accepted just as the actual currency of the country would. And the government of El Salvador says that this will aid people who are from El Salvador but who are living abroad to be able to send remittances back home, that it'll remove some of the barriers that would exist otherwise when they want to transfer funds back to people in El Salvador. But the International Monetary Fund has expressed concern for this move, stating that cryptocurrencies in general, and Bitcoin in particular, represent some legal and economic concerns that have yet to be addressed. Uh, They didn't go into a whole lot of detail on that. I'm sure there's a lot of different things that we could easily point to, like... The fact that cryptocurrencies frequently get used in concert with illicit activities, not, not exclusively, but it does have that association, unfortunately. And also, taxation becomes an issue. And that brings us to here in the United States, where the Internal Revenue Service, or IRS, is seeking authority from Congress to oversee operations that relate to cryptocurrencies. So as it stands, there is no clear law that gives the IRS authority to do stuff like collect taxes on gains that are generated through cryptocurrency transactions. Um, And further, the IRS lacks the legal foundation to go after instances of fraud that involve cryptocurrencies. The decentralized nature of cryptocurrencies is one of the many features that attract people to it. And another is that a lot of transactions, while part of a publicly viewable ledger, are otherwise kind of off the radar. And it remains to be seen if Congress will grant the authority to the IRS in order to pursue more responsibility with regard to cryptocurrencies. And I imagine that this news is affecting the cryptocurrency market a bit because everything seems to affect the cryptocurrency market a bit. I mean, if Elon Musk tweets about it, it'll really get going. Sticking with politics for a moment, a group of Democrat politicians in the United States have proposed a few different pieces of antitrust legislation that seems to be aimed specifically at really big tech companies, and particularly the big five of Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, and Microsoft. While there are draft bills on the matter, and there are several of them, and they come from different people, and they say slightly different things... You can kind of boil them all down to trying to deal with two main concerns. Concern number one regards companies that can both operate a marketplace and sell their own goods and services through that marketplace, along with goods and services from other companies. So this would include corporations like Apple and Amazon. Both of them have their own products listed for sale in marketplaces that they each control, respectively, right? So Amazon's got its own shop, obviously, and it has its own products in that shop side by side with products from other companies. That's kind of what they're talking about. That represents a conflict of interest. And it means that these companies could conceivably promote their own products over those from other entities. So if you've ever done a search for a product on Amazon and you notice that the first few results all seem to be Amazon-branded products then you get what I'm saying. This is a little different than stores that have a store brand. Usually in those stores, you don't see the store brand presented in a way that obscures or, you know, eclipses the other brands. It's side by side. And the idea is that, well, it's not promoted over these others. It may be cheaper and thus more attractive, but it's not like the store is necessarily using tricks to promote one over the other. The concern here is that through technology, those are tricks that these companies are using. And it's there's a worry that it creates an unfair market and sets all the other parties at a disadvantage over the main company. The other big concern is about acquisitions. So a lot of these big tech companies got that big not just through organic growth, but by gobbling up other companies along the way. Sometimes these acquisitions lead to less competition in a market, which is rarely good news for consumers. And we see this across numerous industries, from tech hardware to entertainment media and beyond. The draft bills generally are going to make it more difficult for a large company to pursue acquisitions, now, all of this stuff is, again, just in draft form. It could change significantly before it ever goes to the floor for a vote. And, of course, there's no guarantee that any of these bills will even get that far. But it is interesting to see where things are going. Speaking of Amazon, the company could face a fine in excess of $425 million in the EU for violations of the GDPR, that's the General Data Privacy Regulation, The GDPR is a set of pretty strict rules that dictate how companies can collect and use information that's generated by citizens of the EU. And apparently, Amazon's approach was not in line with those rules, and now the company will have to pay up. I recently did a couple of episodes about privacy and how tech companies collect and use our personal information, so I recommend you check out the episodes that published on Monday and Wednesday to learn more about that. And related to Amazon is Ring, a company Amazon purchased in 2018. Ring is famous for its smart doorbells, and it's also famous for being a part of massive surveillance systems utilized by police forces around the United States. Ring filed a report earlier this year that showed that in 2020, the company received more than 1,800 legal demands to share video footage with various agencies, which was like more than double than the year before that. But what the report does not include is how many users actually had footage from their Ring systems shared with police. You know, that's 1,800 separate demands. Those demands could have included more than one video source. And Ring didn't really say how many users had their their footage shared with police. Privacy advocacy groups and civil rights organizations have long protested how Ring will work with law enforcement, including the fact that, you know, you can have instances in which surveillance is being shared with police without the police first securing a warrant for that information, which does seem to to tread pretty close to unreasonable search and seizure, which is, you know, something that we should be protected against uh, by the Bill of Rights to the Constitution of the United States. Meanwhile, over at Google, the company has recently made changes to downlist search results from sites that focus on slander. That is, sites that are perpetrating slander. So if you've ever Googled someone's name and you saw some results that seem to be targeting that person for whatever reason and slagging off on them... That's really what we're talking about here. And some of these sites have been using various tactics to kind of game the system and rise up the page rankings. So they dominate the top search results for those people. And now Google is going to actively remove that advantage. They're going to start downlisting or pushing down the results for sites that appear to be dedicated to dragging other people down. But this is a really delicate thing. You know, over in the EU, there's this concept of the right to be forgotten, and that's caused Google a lot of grief. And some folks point out that if it is easy to get negative things removed from search results, that could be doing a public disservice in some cases. So for example, let's say you've got a high-ranking public official, and this person does something truly terrible. It is in the public's best interest to know about that thing. And having a means to squelch that kind of information would effectively be suppressing the truth. So I am interested to see how this progresses. I do think it's important to knock down the trolls who are, you know, slagging off people in bad faith, usually as a way of either harming those people or profiting off of this, versus the cases where you have actual journalists who are attempting to document misbehavior. The Verge reports that Facebook is working on a smartwatch that, should things go as planned, will debut next summer. The smartwatch will have a display that incorporates two cameras, and that display will be detachable from the watch band. One of the two cameras will be forward-facing, and users will rely on that one to make video calls and the like. The second camera is rear-facing, and thus it's really only useful if you detach the smartwatch display from the band. Otherwise, you're just taking very dark pictures and videos of your wrist, I imagine. Anyway, the rear-facing camera will have a 1080p resolution. Facebook is already reportedly working with other companies to develop tech that could house the smartwatch display, like you could plug the smartwatch into other types of stuff, like maybe a backpack, or imagine a robot that can accept this little smartwatch in a a slot in the robot, and then it uses that smartwatch to power some functions. I might just be dreaming here. Anyway, the watch might also include a heart rate sensor, as well as other sensors. That, of course, has raised questions from people and organizations that are concerned about privacy, because Facebook has Uh, Well, let's just say it's known for being pretty darn hungry when it comes to personal information. And so if you've got yet another device feeding data points to Facebook, that's even more juicy information that the company can use to sell to advertisers and whatnot. But a year is a really long time in the tech industry, so we'll have to wait and see if this watch ever really comes out. If it doesn't, it will have been a very expensive lesson for Facebook because the company has reportedly invested around a billion dollars in this endeavor already. And finally, Liz Hamron, the CVP of Xbox's gaming experience and platforms, laid out future plans to GamesRadar with regard to where Xbox is going next. Hamron says that the company will continue to develop new consoles and hardware, so that's not going away. But we shouldn't expect anything new for a while because the Series X console is still a very young one. Also, I would like to propose that the name of whatever follows should be The Next Box. So I'll I'll take my check. Thank you. Beyond that, however, it, it appears that, you know, Microsoft is really focusing on creating a way for gamers to access the company's services, That includes partnerships with various smart TV manufacturers so that future televisions have a version of Xbox Game Pass just built right into them. So that means all you would need is a compatible controller to connect to your TV, and then you could stream games from the cloud to your TV, and you don't need a console at all. There's also talk of standalone game streaming devices, you know, kind of the little gaming sticks that you could plug right into a smart TV, possibly like through an HDMI connector, And then you link that device to your Wi-Fi network at home, and you stream games through that. So if your television doesn't come with Xbox Game Pass built into it, you could use this method to do it. In other words, Microsoft's really exploring ways to reach beyond the consoles themselves to let players get access to games content through the cloud. And this is really interesting to me. Because not that long ago, Microsoft was really pushing consoles as being sort of a a nexus for cloud-based services. You would buy a console, and then that console would be your gaming rig. It would be your, your set-top device where you could watch YouTube or Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Plus, it could interact with live television broadcasts and cable, And now Microsoft is sort of taking an opposite approach, at least when it comes to the games themselves. Again, the company is not abandoning hardware or consoles or anything like that. And I'm sure that future consoles will continue to support that Nexus approach to services. But this does show a change in strategy. I like to think of it as the Netflix approach, where your goal is to get your service on every possible platform you can and you extend your reach that way. And that wraps up the news for Thursday, June 10th, 2021. I hope you're all doing well, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it.